Welcome to the Healing Courageously podcast, where we engage in open, honest, and healthy conversation about everything from addiction, abuse, and recovery to marriage, family, and spirituality. We hope you find this podcast helpful. Our goal is that you will find a new way of living as you look closer at yourself in these areas of your life, which will lead to a happier and healthier you. Now here's your host, Randy Boyd. Greetings, and welcome to this episode of Healing Courageously. On today's episode, we're going to continue the conversation about our Father on Earth versus our, our Father in Heaven. And I talked about this on our last episode a little bit, and I've been reading a book by a, a gentleman named, um, I just forgot his name, Ted Decker. I apologize, Ted Decker called The Forgotten Way, and to be honest with you, he's the only person um, that I have heard talk about earthly father versus heavenly father in the manner that I talk about, so it's been quite interesting to read what he has to say. Um, in a lot of ways, he he says some things that I've been afraid to say, but um, I'm talking to the people that are guiding me and, and, and helping me on this journey. Uh, I'm not going to be afraid. I can't be afraid to talk about this stuff because it's really critical. It's really important that we talk about the realities of what's happening in this in this earth today, in this world today. Because um, you know, when we when we look at what's happening, especially out on the streets and all the riots and stuff, and you know, you, you hear me say this all the time. And, and again, it's a general statement, but your parents say, "What's wrong with the kids today?" and well, mom and dad, you need to go look in the mirror. But more importantly, it's the, the absentee fathers and so many kids' lives today. Um, some of them never knew their father. So they got a mother trying to raise a boy. Um, a father is the number one most important person in any child's life, whether it be a boy or a girl. And I discussed that on my last episode a little bit. So I'm just going to dive a little farther into it. See, according to Jesus, our journey here on earth is primarily to find out who we truly are as the sons and daughters of God who does not condemn us and who loves us far more than we can comprehend. If you want to see the perfect example of a father-son relationship, and for some of you this is probably could be really hard to comprehend, and I understand because for years it was really hard for me to comprehend. Don't talk to me about God. And I didn't realize how much I was looking at God through the eyes of who my stepfather was. So tell you know you can't tell me that God loves me more than we can comprehend. But as I've gotten older, number one, I've got wiser. Well, as I got into recovery, I was able to find my own God of my understanding, my God Yahweh, Yahshua, 
That's my God, loving, kind, caring, compassionate God. Now, I know there's a lot of people out there that might be listening to this. That say, I don't know what you're talking about because the only God I know is, is me, as wicked as evil. You know, if, if God is so loving and kind, then why does he allow murder? Why does he allow rape? Why does he allow molestation of kids? Why does he allow, why does he, why, 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 why? What I want you to understand is that God gives man free will. Well, then he should be able to stop what they're doing. No. God gives man free will. It's not to say that when you look at it this way, that God endorses what somebody's doing. But sometimes we, we have things happen to us, and we don't understand it, and I certainly didn't understand it. And there's a reason for it. And if that reason would have been revealed to me when I was 12, 13, 14, 15, 16, I would have said, no, 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 sorry. Sorry, God, I, you know, it sounds like a great plan to me, but no, I don't want to go through it. So God really does love us more than we can comprehend. I myself have countless stories, and I can probably, I've worked with several men where I've taken them back, and the God that they don't want to believe in is a God they cried out to on countless times when they were in trouble and the God that saved them in that trouble. We must remember that there's absolutely no fear in love. Ephesians 5.21 says, We submit each other, one another, together, out of reverence for Christ. The one thing that I was going through therapy, and I told my therapist, I don't want to fear God. Why do I want to fear God? Because I feared God all my life. That's what got me in trouble. Well, the word reverence is in there instead of fear. And reverence says out of, it is deep respect. So we submit one another together. We both submit unto Christ out of deep respect, deep respect for God. But that, that changes the whole thing in my eyes. There's no reason to fear God. I have a deep respect for him. And I know there's a lot of consequences that I'll face if I do the things that aren't right. It has nothing to do with God. I, he's not going to condemn us. Because I can tell you after 38 years of running the way I was running, when it was time, I went back and he, he took me just how I was. Yeah, there was a lot of work I had to do. He's the only person I know that never con that never condemns us, never judges us. You, you might think so, and I understand it, because that's what I thought. But the reality is, he doesn't. God punished me. No, God didn't punish you. There's consequences for our behavior. There's consequences for our behavior. And that's what, that's what comes up, good or bad. You know, I thought, well, where was God when I got the, you know, the, the, the drunk driving? Sitting right next to you. You can't blame God on it. Number one, you were drinking. Number two, you know you're not supposed to get behind the wheel once you've been drinking. But you chose, you chose to get behind the wheel and drive. And therefore, you got pulled over. 
And what could have happened a lot of times, and it's happened to my wife and I, not on a DUI situation, but you probably got pulled over. And if you would wait long enough, you would see maybe that we're a half mile or a mile up the road. If you went and got pulled over, you could have been involved in a tragic accident. The lie that you cannot measure up. And man, that's a lie that I live forever. It creates a terrible anxiety gap deep in your heart. It deep in your heart. I can't measure up no matter how much I do, no matter how good I am, no matter how successful I am, I can never, ever measure up. And it constantly created anxiety in me and in my heart. The subconscious insidious fears creates the feeling of deep depression between you and your father. I couldn't, I couldn't make my real father happy. I could never do anything right. All he did was condemn me. All he did was put me down. That creates such a separation between us and God. It's unbelievable. The Bible, there's so many instructions for fathers in the Bible that we never hear about. And, I, and my feeling is we don't hear about it because the churches don't want you to hear about it. It should be preached once a month, once a quarter, whatever. Because when I, when I started this journey, that's what I wanted to look at. Show me scriptures regarding abusive parents. And, I've, and, and I found them all. And that's what I, I talk a lot about. Now, it could be it could be possible that you you are father in heaven you're you've made uh, you, you become fear fearful of him because you've made God in your own image and what's that image what what image do you have of a father of a God and this is where we got to get real in life I mean so many people they don't want to. They want to just kind of brush over this. They don't want to get real. They don't want to look at their own life. They don't want to look at their childhood. They don't want to say nothing bad about their parents, because the Bible says, "Respect your mom, mother, and father." If you're holding a resentment, you have to talk about it. It's okay. It doesn't mean you hate your parents. But the longer you hold on to that resentment, then hate starts to build. The subconscious insidious fear creates the feeling of deep depression between you and your father. Sorry, I just talked about that. Perhaps your fear, perhaps you fear your father because you have made God in your own image. Maybe you see him as an earthly father with an undesirable human attribute. A lot of people growing up in the church, growing up in Old Testament law, there's a lot of undesirable attributes that come out of that. They misuse the word, the rod and the staff. They grossly misuse it. You're not supposed to hit your children. Show me in the New Testament. I say it every time. Show me in the New Testament where Jesus hit kids. I'm not saying, you know, discipline. That's completely different. Discipline's before the fact. 
And that's what you need to work on. Punishments after the fact. These views are deeply rooted in deception. You gotta understand that the, the devil, the enemy, Satan, dark side, will use anything in his power, anything and everything, including parents, siblings, pastors, churches, it doesn't matter. He will use anything he can to turn you from God. Anything. And you need to really, really understand that. It's important. Do you think that God is like the worst earthly father? Is that what you is that what you see? If you had to sit down and, and really get honest and look at God and look at some of you probably don't, and that's okay. And again, this is a general. I talk in general terms. I don't know some people. One of the pastors in our church, Pastor Nate, had a great childhood, had a great father. He wasn't perfect, but it's like he, he. I can see it in him. I can see the way that he. The way that he's always constantly treating people. He doesn't. He's always happy, him and his wife. And it's not a fake happiness, these guys. I mean, yeah, they have issues. We all have issues. But it's, it's different. It, it, it stems from having a, a godly father in his life. This father, this earthly father, Is he given to rage and anger and being upset? He's grown up with a father that's full of rage, anger. See, that's what I—that's what I grew up with. I mean, my stepfather, not my father, my, my real father for the twelve years that I had him in my life, that he was on this earth in my life. He was a phenomenal father, but a stepfather full of rage, anger, and hate, and he inflicted all that rage anger and hate on me and that's how he preached the Bible if I don't do if I don't go to God if I don't do this I'm going to burn in hell I'm going to do that and lightning bolts are going to hit me I was scared to death not only of my stepfather and my mother but of God and the church that's not what God wants when you look at the father-son relationship between Jesus and God it's the most perfect relationship you can ever see Is that father impulsive, vindictive, and in need of anger management classes? My stepfather was extremely, and my mother, impulsive and vindictive. I, the reality is I lived in fear for most of my teenage and young adult lives, years. As long as they were involved in my life, I didn't know what was going to happen. As a teenager living at home, what's going to happen tonight? What is he going to blow up for some ungodly reason that nobody knows about? Beat my mom to come beat me. Is he going to come in my room in the middle of the night and molest me? What's he going to do tonight? It was constant fear. It was no wonder I couldn't do good in school because I was constantly living in the state of fear because I had a very vindictive and very anger and rageful stepfather that I couldn't trust. Do you think your father fears your failure and therefore 
and your mistakes, and therefore he goes around and wrings his hands with worry all the time. See, there's a scenario in my in my life with my stepfather, my father, and then my stepbrother. I worked I worked with my stepfather in construction in the summer times, and my stepbrother also worked on him, worked with him. And my stepbrother would clearly make mistakes, bad mistakes, but he never heard about it because my stepfather turned his anger and rage and towards me, not towards his real son. His real son also, and back in those days, was a hippie with acid and marijuana and all that back in the 70s. And his, his rage and anger towards that came out towards me. It's not fair. And that's not what Christ would do. That's not what God would do at all. He wants us to come before him as little children. When we look at the prodigal son, the, the story, and it's a, it's a Matthew, it's a great story. And I've read, Ted's got it in his book, and there's another book, uh, The Prodigal um, the prodigal Father, I think is what it is. But there's two prodigal sons in this story. And all we hear is about the one, but the other one is the one that stays at home. So the question is this. When we look at the prodigal son, the father knew his son would lose his way. He gave him his inheritance and knowing knowing that he was likely going to lose his way. Young, a young guy, young man, getting all this money, all this inheritance, and he goes out and spends it on prostitutes and everything. His father knew that was going to happen, but he never once, and he could have, he never once discouraged him from that. He might have talked to him about it. Hey, son, you know, I want you to think about what you do. You know, I mean, any, any good father would do that. I mean, I do it with my kids. Just, just think about it. Make sure it's, you know, you're doing the right thing. I want you to, this is what you want, that, that's fine. I'm going to give it to you, even though it was against tradition back in them days. But he didn't discourage him. The father could have been filled with anger and dread. He could have been stuck in that vicious cycle of anger and dread and worried all the time. But instead... He allowed his son to take the journey without condemnation. How many of your fathers have done that? My biggest dream as a boy growing up was to be a fireman like my real father. It was my biggest dream. It's all I wanted to do. And I can remember, I can remember when I got that, that, that letter in the mail saying, hey, you have a test date, and it was a civil service exam. Back then, they called it the idiot exam. Just, just see what you knew and what commonalities you had if you, you, know, if you were a functional person. And when I told my mother and stepfather about it, they didn't encourage me. They discouraged me. Tell me I'll never, I'll never pass a test. It's too hard. You can't do this, and you can't do that. That's not what parents are for. I, I, I Honestly, with my children... They're all grown. I got one that's a chef. I got a daughter that's a, that's a, a home a home mother, but she has worked. And I got a son that worked for the water district, and he just recently decided, Dad, I'm I'm going to move to Arizona, get out of California, and make a better life for my family. I don't discourage him. I support him. It doesn't mean that my wife and I always agree with him. It doesn't mean that Dad always agrees with what they're doing. They've made mistakes. 
but they've made the mistake. What good is it to do to beat them up about the mistake that's already been made? It's done and over with. My sons, my daughter, they're not afraid to call me if something goes wrong or if they got a question or this happened or that because they know I'm not going to I'm not going to criticize them. I'm going to support them. I mean, what Philippians 2:5 says be Christ-minded in all that we do. These are my children. I've got to let them go. I can't control them. My job as a father is to show them the best love that I can and to support them in what they do. You know, yeah, bring up some concerns, but don't discourage them. I believe in my children, and they know it. There's not a doubt in their mind that they can call me or my wife anytime there's an issue, and they know that the only thing we'll do is we'll sit and we'll try to resolve it together. I'm not going to resolve it for them. They're, they're smart kids. We'll just talk about it. Our Father in Heaven judges no one. There's no judgment when we're here on Earth. Yeah, maybe when we die, there might be judgment then. There's no judgment here on Earth. Believe me, if there was judgment... <laughs> I want to be here talking to you with the, the life that I lived for 38 years, talking about, about God all the time. It just, wouldn't, it just wouldn't be. He loves us unconditionally. He lovingly corrects us. But how, how does he correct us? Well, when we make a mistake, they're called consequences. At the DUI. You're going to have consequences before, because of that. He's not just going to come down. Look, he could have called a legion of angels down when he was on the cross to get him off. And he didn't do it. So what, what makes me, what makes you think that you're any better than him? That he's just going to pull you out of your consequences. He, he's done it for me a couple times. And I know he has. But on February 1st, when he made that statement in my ears, whispered softly by my first name, says, Randy, you need help. You get out of jail free, cards are used up. You need help today. And I knew exactly what he was saying. What it meant was is that if I don't get help and I don't straighten my life up, then the next time, I reach out for help. He'll be there. But it might be why I'm in a prison cell. And that's the that's the truth. So that's how he corrects us. We have our own consequences for the behaviors that we perform. They are what they are. God's law, we have to abide by his law. But more importantly, we have to abide by the law of the land. So God's not being cruel to you in any way, shape, or form. Think about it. You, you, you put yourself in a situation. What's your part in it? 
And the story of, of, of the father, the loving father, offered no anger. So in the story of the father of the prodigal son, he, there was no anger offered to his son. He just didn't give it to him. There was no judgment, only correction of this one, of, of, of his son's self-image. What was the self-image? He thought he was a slave. The first son can't conceive of being received as a son, so the best he hoped for, the best he hoped for was to be one of his father's slaves, so at least he could get some food and some nice clothes. He couldn't conceive after what he had done being his father's son. That's a father. I couldn't conceive of God. So many people go, well, God doesn't know what I've done. Yeah, he does. After what I did, is God going to forgive me? God's going to forgive you. Absolutely. There's no judgment. He asked for his forgiveness. He forgives you as far as the east is from the west and the west from the east. It's real simple. But we struggle with it because of some of the things that we've done in the past. It's important to know that you are worthy, in God's eyes, no matter what, of being called son. Both my sons, 90% of the time when I talk to them, I call them son. My, 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 um, my son-in-law calls his, calls his son, son also. I'm sure my, my boy Garrett does it once in a while as well. And Danny doesn't have any children. But they are all called sons because they are my son. And I love them to death. I would do anything for them. The father offered no punishment, only an embrace. A kiss, a ring, a robe, and a feast. His son was back. When I, when I came back, I can tell you right now that there was absolutely no con condemnation from anybody. Because if there was, had there been, I wouldn't be here. I was ready to walk out of a church the first day I walked in it because I didn't want to hear none of this stuff. We have to be careful with our children with our sons and with our daughters. It's so critical. Well, you know, that's not how I was raised, and I'm okay. Yeah, right? Maybe you ought to start opening your mind a little bit. Don't be so bullheaded. And I sat down with plenty of people with that attitude, plenty of people with that attitude. And as we talked, they realized, I guess I'm not so good, am I? I'm treating my kids just like my father treated me, and I hate it. We have the responsibility, we have the ability to break the generational curses. Remember, it's learned behavior, the seven generational curses. Learn behavior, and it can be broken. Remember what you believe about yourself, that it never, ever defines you. Who's telling you the lies of who you are? Who's telling you that? Only what your father believes about you truly defines you. What does God believe about you? 
You know, if a father like my stepfather, you're worthless. You'll never amount to nothing. You're nothing but an idiot. You know, you're never going to die. I mean, nothing but fed negative garbage. And as it happens over year after year after year, it becomes ingrained in you and you start believing it. Is it true? No, it's not true. But when you've been pounded, when it's been pounded into you enough, and I know there's a lot of men out there and a lot of boys that this has happened to and it's happening to right now. You can deny it if you want. That's your choice. But as long as you deny it, your life's going to be not good. Only what God believes about you truly defines you. You're a son of God. You're the head. You're not the tail. You're enough. You're loved. You're lovable. Go on and on and on. God never says you're worthless. Think about the prostitutes at the well. Been married five times. He never once gave a negative opinion to her. He just sat there and listened to her and showed her, showed her love. Your beliefs and perceptions, however, do define the experience you have in this world. So what do you believe about yourself? Deep down inside, I, I know for me, people would look at me for years thinking I had it all together. Beautiful wife, nice home, nice cars, very successful business. Had it all. Do what I want when I wanted Buy what I want, when I want. I had it all. Perception. Perception. That's all it was. It was a facade. The experience I had in the world made me look like I had it all together. But when I got my truck to come home or walk through my front door, I was one broken soul. And I knew it. And so did my wife, but there was nothing that she could do except love me. And even that became became hard for her for a while. So, what would be nice for you to do? How can you work on this yourself? But take some time by yourself, okay? Take some time by yourself. Find somewhere, go out back, sit in the sunshine. You got a dog, go play with it. Just find some, some time by yourself. And speak out loud saying, Thank you, Father, for making me your child. I'm no longer a slave to fear. I am a child of God. All the things that have happened to me for 38 years, I did blame God. Absolutely blame God. And today it's like, no, God had, God had a calling on my life and I had to go through what I went through in order to fulfill that calling. And I've talked that way to so many people and they look at me like, you're just one whacked out dude because I never, I just can't believe that would happen that way. He never thought, he, I was never killed. The devil's been trying to kill me many times. And so I lived that way for 38 years, and I'm still working on. Who told you, Randy? Who told you you were worthless? Because that voice is gone. My stepfather's voice is long gone. 
In fact, for 38 years, I let them live rent-free in my house. But we have this little thing in our brain called the amygdala, and it's a filing cabinet of our life. And so the enemy can find those cracks. When something happens, he starts going through that filing cabinet, and he finds, I call it the idiot file for me, and he starts working on me, and it's not fun. So you got to see... Who's telling you that lie? It's a lie of who you are unless it's what God says about you. Galatians 2.20 says, I have been crucified with Christ and I no longer live, but Christ lives in me. The life I now live in the body, I live by faith in the, within the Son of God who loved me and gave, me, gave himself for me. Christ was crucified on the cross. So some of you guys out there might not be Christians, and, and that's okay. Just take what you want from these podcasts and, just, and leave the rest, okay? And then uh, I'm hoping that if you're not a Christian or, you, or you're not a believer or you don't know who God is, that this will open your eyes a little bit and maybe it'll just plant a seed in you. That's all I can do is plant seeds. And if, that, if that's what I've done, then I've done my job. But think about it. We were crucified with Christ. Christ lives in us. He died and took our sins away from us. Christ is in us. We are made in the image of God. Christ is, Christ is God manifested here in, in, uh, as a man here on earth. Christ lives in us. So it's getting in connection with that Christ that's within us. And, you know, I can love people very much on the outside. I'm great at it. And and this scripture just come to me about a month ago, and I've been meditating on it. And and the more I can can look at this, and the more I can love myself. Because by loving myself, I'm loving Christ and my body. John 10.30 tells us that I and the Father are one. When you look at, Jesus says, to, to know me is to know my Father. To know my Father is to know me. He doesn't have to tell you who his Father is. Because his Father shows up in who he is. And the same thing happens to us here on earth with our earthly Father. To know me is to know my children. I guarantee you, that my children, when people see them, can say that without a doubt. Without a doubt. And to know my children is to know me. And that also I can say without a doubt. A quote by, by Ted Decker that I'll, I'll read slowly. I'm just about finished here. Okay. And if you listen to this, maybe close your eyes. Um, You can listen to it again and maybe write it down. But here it is. Today, I align myself with the Infinite Father, who cannot be threatened or compromised in any way. Today, I know that I am made of his fabric as an aspect of him. In the world but not of it. 
We're in the world, but we're not of it. As I lie in with my father, I know myself as the son, the daughter of the father. And this father, we're talking about God, which your father on earth should be as close as a replica. We can't because we're human beings, but needs to be as perfect as that, as perfect as he can be as the image of God. As I lie Oh, what manner of love is this that I should be called the son and the daughter of such a father? You're worthy of it. You need to believe it. You're worthy of the love of Christ. You are worthy to be loved beyond your imagination. You're, you're, you're enough. You're loved and you're lovable. Don't ever, don't ever let anybody tell you differently. And I don't care who you are. You're a child of God. You could have been a, you could be a prostitute on the streets. Doesn't matter. It's you're a human being. We're gonna love you just as much as a somebody else that walks in and walks in a church. Or you know, I've, there's been plenty of homeless that, by gas stations that I'll walk up to. God just puts it on me and, hey, are you hungry? Yeah, cool. What do you want to eat? Let's go. I'll get you something to eat. And I sit and talk to him for a little bit, and I pray for him. And they, they so much appreciate that kind of kindness. Remember this. There is no fear in love. None. And love is God. Love is God, and God is love. They're one and the same. And to find out what love really, truly is, go to 1 Corinthians 13, 4 and read that. That's how we're to treat people. That's what love is to be. So, this is a, this is a subject that I, I just, I've ran across so many people that have, dealt with this issue of their father and, and they just until they can until they can come to grips with it come to grips that you know my father wasn't perfect my father you know do you know your father's story that's a great place to start get to know your father's story get to know who your father was when he was growing up how was he treated by grandma and grandpa how was he treated was it was is he a war vet What's he been through? Get to know him. It's critical. Because once you know who your father is, you'll have a much, much, much better understanding of why he is the way he is. It's not to condone the way he is. It's not to co-sign what he has or hasn't done to you. Not at all. But I know when I, when I took that journey of my stepfather, it changed my life. I was able to fully forgive that man. I walked out of my therapist's office that day with not a weight on my shoulder. That backpack full of rocks I'd been carrying around for 38 years was gone. Does it mean he was back in my life? No. I didn't mean back in my life. I forgave him. It's not for him. It's for me. It freed me up. So if you want to know more about what we do, our life coaching and marriage counseling, you can visit changeyourlifestorynow.com, our website, read up on there. 
uh, we're going to be building the marriage page uh, here in the next probably the next month so uh, just know that we do do marriage counseling we start off with doing a symbis assessment um, save your marriage before it starts we've we've worked with couples that have been married and given that to them and it's worked wonderfully um, it's just an assessment of you it's not a psychological test it's not a spiritual test it's not a uh, gifts test it's, it's none of that it's an assessment it's 99.9% accurate with the two couples when they sit down and talk it gives them a better understanding why they're both coming uh, where they're coming from so we start with that and then we go from there that usually takes about th three sessions and then from there we go into some deeper marriage counseling and then ultimately we, we marry uh, we'll marry the couples and then also the life coaching with addiction um, abuse, all that. I mean, we, we cover a whole gamut of things. So check out the website. Um, like I said, we're still building it. Um, but what's on there right now I'll give you a good idea of who my wife and I are and, and what we do. Um, coaching sessions, can they're, they're an hour long, but there's a lo whole lot more to it. So check it out. If you're interested, fill out the contact form. Tell me what you're interested in. Send it off to me. I get back to everybody within, usually within an hour of getting that email. Um, also, check out our, our, our CourageousHealers.org foundation. It's Courageous Healers Foundation, uh, where we help uh, sexually abused boys and their families recover from the, from the, uh, the effects of abuse. And we also work with women on that, on that thing. So um, you can check that out as well and see what that's all about. Also, you can check out my books on Amazon, Healing the Wounded Child Within. It's a great book of hope and healing um, for abuse victims, their families. Actually, anybody and everybody should read that book. It really will open your eyes to a lot of different things. It's, it's not just a, uh, a storybook about my story and the depths of darkness. It's, that's not what it is. It's more uh, a book of hope and healing. And also my 30-day devotional to wholeness, which is a great devotional for you can do it by yourself or to sit down and read with your, your spouse every night before you go to bed. And at the end of every devotional, there's three contemplative questions. You can sit down and discuss those questions together. So um, there's a lot to offer. we got workshops coming up um, probably right after the first of the year. We had to postpone because of COVID, so on and so forth. They're all set. They're all ready to go. We just need to... Uh, come up with a date which we will probably be after the first year with the holidays and stuff coming up so look forward to those and those will be both on both my websites so i hope you got a little bit out of this i hope you're enjoying these 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 podcasts uh, we'd love to hear from you if you are um and i guess that's it for tonight just remember or this episode tonight this episode it might be night wherever you're at so uh, that's it for this episode, and uh, remember, wherever you're at, whatever time of day it is, make it a blessed day, evening, morning, whatever it is. And remember this, that if nobody tells you they love you today, Randy does. Be blessed, everybody. This has been Healing Courageously with Randy Boyd. We will have a new episode every Monday. Please like us on iTunes or Google Play. If you would like to know more about the services available from Randy, please visit him at changeyourlifestorynow.com. Thank you for spending time with us. 
We'll see you next week. And remember, if nobody tells you they love you today, Randy does. <laughs>